Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's Yo, what is going on, Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere? Welcome to the Hawk Talk Podcast. I'm the Friday host, Ty Hudson. Alongside me today, Kyle Sutherland. How are you doing? Fabulous, man. Trying to stay dry down here. I don't know about up in NWA, but we're getting stormed on down in central Arkansas right now. We, uh, Our power flickered. Well, it shut off for like a good two minutes. Uh, here in East Springdale, and then came back on, and and uh, yeah, then it shut back off again. And, I th- and that time it was a little bit longer. And I thought, oh, this is going to be my day. Wonderful, but uh, yeah, the the storm is headed out, and I think it's just going to be nothing but humidity and awful typical heat, t- typical Arkansas humidity the rest of the day. Uh, good times, good times. We have a pretty loaded episode for you guys. Uh, there's there's a lot to discuss. More so, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I got up this morning and thought, well, we'll have we'll have two or three good 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 topics, and then we have this this stuff about Peyton Hillis, about what he said on a on a on a podcast about the University of Arkansas, and just kind of where he's at with it. Uh, we've also got uh, there's a there's a point spread that's been put out by Circus Sports on Arkansas Nevada. And obviously a commitment, all sorts of uh, recruiting news there. So yeah, we've got a we've got a loaded up show here for you. We've also got some questions from the Discord. So and also in the next segment, Kyle Sutherland and is Porter going to be along with you on this one? Yes, yes, he will. So Kyle and Porter are going to interview current Springdale head coach Zach Clark, former Purple Dog, former Razorback, who eventually would go on to UCA. And uh, finish out his career there. So they'll be uh, they'll be interviewing Zach in the second segment, in the final segment of the show. So starting off, first topic: um, Arkansas offers their first com- their first quarterback since the decommitment of Landon Rogers, and that's Charles Wright, a six foot one, hundred ninety four pound pocket passer from Austin, Texas, that is currently committed to Iowa State. Kyle, I mean. You know, I I said all along after they took Rogers' commitment. I mean, they offered him and he committed on the same day. Now here he is, he decommits, and we've already talked about that. Um, I always thought that was a little odd. They took his commitment so quickly, and you and I discussed after he committed, and we discussed after he decommitted that that we felt like he had a lot of work to do in the in that department as far as just being a pure passer. We know he's athletic. We know he's got moves out of the pocket, but. 
There are a lot of questions as to his arm strength. Well, he decommits all of Arkansas's other offers out to other quarterbacks. They're already committed. So now they have to go after a guy in Charles Wright who's currently committed to Iowa State. Let me know your just your thoughts on that, on Charles Wright and just that whole situation with the quarterback, uh, with, with, with recruiting quarterbacks. Zach Arns, who we had from the Ruskin and Zach show on Monday's episode, had mentioned, I think he made a great point about how Sam Pittman really had no choice but to offer Landon Rogers. Whether, not, not saying that they didn't want him, but it definitely was a good choice to do that, trying to build that fence around Central Arkansas. And then, as you mentioned, Landon commits like right on the spot. And there's a lot of us that were quite skeptical of him. Pretty good athlete, but we're just not sure about his mechanics as a quarterback. And then he decommits. And in comes, or in comes this offer to Charles Wright. And you would think that that's something along the lines of what Kendall Bryles has been scouting around that area with his Texas ties. And he's committed to Iowa State and goes to Austin High now. I have not had a chance to look at his film. His offer list is not that amazing looking, but also, too, one thing you do have to remember is I've mentioned many times about how prestigious Lake Travis, Westlake High School is in that Austin area. Of course, Westlake has had the likes of Drew Brees, Sam Ellinger, Lake Travis, Charlie Brewer, who's at Baylor right now, Baker Mayfield. A lot of great quarterbacks have come through that those two schools so Austin High doesn't get quite the publicity that those do. So that might be a reason why he's not as highly recruited. But I haven't had a chance to, to check him out yet. As we're recording, he had only been offered about 16 hours prior. So it's pretty fresh. But uh, definitely, I still think they're going to take two quarterbacks in this class, whether it is Charles Wright or somebody else. Well, we called it. We said that that was going to be the case. And and, and uh, I've reached out to some people, some friends of mine, just their thoughts on it and, and – some believe a good friend of mine, Tim, says, "Why not hang on? You've got your quarterback. You got a pretty darn good quarterback committed. Now everyone else you're going to go after from here on out. Odds are they're going to be committed somewhere, or they're going to be heavily entrenched by other, you know, quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators around the country. Like you're coming in kind of late. Uh, why not hang on to that scholarship for next year? Use it next year. And I thought that was a really good point, but it seems like the staff." It seems like the staff is uh, hell bent on taking two quarterbacks. It's going to be it's it's going to be a the odds of them going out and getting another highly rated quarterback are guys. You know, again, it's going to be pretty slim. Like we talked about on Pig Trail on the Pig Trail Network a few. Uh, I think that was was that Monday. I think it was Monday show. It's going to be tough to to go out and grab that quarterback that you know that's highly recruited and highly touted and everything, you're probably – and nothing against this young man. Uh, and and I'm, I'm with you. I haven't had a chance to watch his film. Charles Wright, again, he's 6'1", 194 pounds. Someone in Discord – actually, a couple of people had, had brought up – well, he's a pocket passer. I thought this system utilized a more dual threat, you know, a kid that's a little bit more capable outside of the pocket. I, I don't know – and that that's something else we've talked about. Just because you're labeled a pocket passer – that doesn't necessarily mean you're you're incapable out of the pocket of making things happen with your feet. So sometimes that just happens to be the system that he plays in in high school, and it doesn't require him to scramble much. And then other times they go to camps and they drop five two forties. So <laughs> you kind of understand why they're given that label as a as a pocket passer. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot here on him. It's just an offer. There will be more if they if they are unable to uh, to sway him to Arkansas, but. Uh, from what I understand, that is a committable offer that's on the table for Charles Wright. Also, sticking with recruiting, 
Arkansas lands their now their now 13th commit in defensive back Chase Lowry. Again, you and I were talking about this before the uh, before we started recording. He's out of Frisco, Texas. He's a lengthier corner. He's about six foot, 180 pounds. I believe last time he had weighed in, they had him somewhere between 5'10", 5'11", and 160 pounds. He's obviously grown. Uh, he's rated as the uh, number 54 overall corner, according to 2-4 Sports, the number 112th prospect in the state of Texas. Uh, their composite score is a little bit different. 81st overall corner and 129th overall prospect in the state of Texas, but he is a national top uh, 1,000 player. But again, he's, he's a little bit lengthier, six foot, 180 pounds. Has some interesting offers on the table. I think he's got like 25, 26 offers, something like that. Arizona was one of the other ones uh, along, uh, I think there are several other power fives. But he commits to uh, Barry Odom and the Arkansas Razorbacks. What What's your take on this kid? And, and I know, too, this is also someone else we haven't watched a whole lot of film on, but I know that you've watched a little bit. What's your uh, What's your gauge on, on uh, Lowry? Yeah, I watched some actually right in between him committing. And, of course, as we're recording, he committed about an hour prior. And I was able to catch some of it, about 10, 15 minutes of his film. And you have to be really careful when you're watching highlight film in terms of how you judge it because it's it's called a highlight film for a reason. So one thing I noticed about him is he, he returns punts, returns kicks, plays receiver, and obviously defensive back. This kid just – he looks for the ball. If he's on defense, he's not looking to get a batted pass or tackle someone. He's looking to intercept it, get the ball, and take it to the house. Same when he was when he's a receiver or when he's returning punts or kicks. He's not going sideline to sideline. The kid is going straight. His eyes are looking towards the end. So that's one thing. He, he definitely comes across as a ball hawk to me. Use that definition a lot, obviously, in this game. And I think that he is one of those guys that just he looks for the ball. Once he has the ball, he looks to score. And you love to see that in defenders because a lot of times these these cornerbacks, especially today, when there's been there's a lot of jokes about it on Twitter about how a receiver might drop a ball or the ball is overthrown and, they, and the defensive back gets up and just starts dancing and all that. This guy looks for the ball every single play. Again, not just a batted pass or trying to tackle a receiver. Yeah. Um... I haven't seen a whole lot of, of uh, film or, like what you said, highlight film, which you do have to be careful of because it is highlight films. You don't always see the, the negative, which is why sometimes I try to look for, like, entire just clips, like from start to finish, from start of the play to the finish of the play, and no cuts. And that's kind of hard to do these days because everyone wants their highlights put out. I mean, that's always been the case regarding high school kids trying to approach colleges and big-time Power 5 Division One universities. But – if you can find it, take it all in because that's that's where the real legitimate or, – or just go to the games if you're fortunate enough and you live close to some of these kids. I'm hoping, God willing, we have high school athletics this fall. I'm hoping to catch a couple of kids up here in northwest Arkansas. I'll go watch them play. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high on this recruit. Um, I know we get people that are all about star power, and they look at the fact, well, he's only got three stars next to his name. Well, you need to look beyond that. I think uh, – Again, you look at his 25, 26 offers that are on the table. There's something to this kid, and it wouldn't surprise me if when camps do come back, you know, these 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 kind of like the Nike Spark events or, you know, the, every state has their own like 7-on-7 seven seven and all that stuff, and the 247 and Rivals camps, wouldn't surprise me to see him show up and, and maybe turn some heads. I mean, he's he's 
pretty athletic. He's lengthy, too. And I've noticed that's kind of a, a common theme with this staff. They like to go after these lengthy defensive backs, these guys that are you know, six foot or, or a little bit taller. And that's, um, I don't know, I, I, I can't remember the last tall corner they had. I want to say, wasn't Tevin Mitchell like 6'2"? Was it Tevin that was 6'2"? And they had another corner that was pretty big, too. Um, I think Tevin was actually, made, he was maybe about 5'11". He, I remember he? he was really skinny. But uh, he was shredded, but pretty, but pretty skinny nonetheless. I, I don't know that he actually touched six foot. Though. I thought he so was six foot. I know they had a corner, and I swear, it was within the last six or seven years, it was like six one, six two. But like you, it, it's not a real common theme for, no. especially in Arkansas. Like you don't see them go after these six foot, six one corners. It's always these. Seems like they're always like five ten, you know, five nine, five ten, maybe a five eleven guy here or there. But uh, so you'll have a little bit of height, and supposedly his kids really athletic too so um yeah that's about all we have on on the recruiting front talking about um high school football in the fall the ivy leagues have canceled their football season and then we just got a we just got a uh well and i know you retweeted this i hadn't seen it but porter sent to us in the hog talk chat uh and this was from jeff reynolds at Reynolds JD on Twitter, the superintendent of schools in Dallas told MSNBC high school football in the state of Texas is highly unlikely in 2020. No high school football in Texas. Prepare yourselves accordingly. If, if there was a meter of how hyped or, or your thoughts as to whether or not there's going to be football this year, I think it just took a little bit of a hit. I, I know that that's high school. And then we're also talking about the Ivy leagues. But this isn't exactly the best news. And I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, that Division I, NCAA, Division I college football isn't going to happen. But it feels to me like the closer we get to the season, that needle is starting to go the opposite direction of us, of it being less likely that we have a season, Kyle. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of scared. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely alarming. You think about – and I, I've mentioned on here – in the three years that I spent in Texas, I, I was able to live. You, you hear about your entire life, especially if you've watched Friday Night Lights, the show or the movie, how big it is in that state. But you mm. really just can't – I didn't understand it until I went to a couple of games. So it is pretty alarming, especially considering how big it is in the DFW area. And then Michael Hinojosa, who is the Dallas ISD superintendent, saying that to, to MSNBC is extremely alarming. I, I still – I'm a little more worried than I was a month ago, but I still do think we're going to have a season. I think it – well, I, I don't really know what to say about high school, but in terms of like NFL and um, college, especially the, the bigger colleges, I, I like Power Fives, SEC, all that, I still think that they're going to at least play their conference games until I hear any different. I'm, I've got the Sam Pittman approach on that. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is that is pretty uh, – that, that that is pretty serious. I mean, I agree with you. It is – if you're – looking at your meter of, of any kind of panic that does go a little bit lower than it might have been within recent weeks. But I, I don't know. I, I, I still think that a lot can happen in a positive or negative manner within the next month, month and a half. And so I, I'm not I'm not letting it get to me too much, but it did make me raise my eyebrows a little bit. Well, I don't see the harm in – look, I think there's a difference – and I, and I like what's happening here in Northwest Arkansas. It sounds like what we're going to do with, with grade school, we're going to give the parents the option. Do you want your kids to be there like f 
you know, and I think they've talked about like two or three days a week, or do you want them to be full time? Now, this isn't concrete. This just seems to be Lisa Academy has thrown this out, which is here in Springdale, of the of of just something that could possibly be on the table. And how interested would you be in your kid uh, part time in person in school or full time at home on the computer or a mixture of both or whatever? I like that approach. And my wife and I have made our decision what we're going to do with our two kids. Um, and it's in their best interest. But this way, we're going to have constant supervision over what they're doing. I mean, you're talking about two girls, uh, eight and, and five. Like, they need to have parental supervision, and I would prefer that be by me when you're talking about COVID-19. So I, I have definitely been taking this serious. But I'm glad they gave me the option. And we could change our mind. It sounds like they're going to give us the option, hey, if you want to change your mind, you could start sending them to uh, – to, to you know in school to actually be here in person um and i'm all for that and i think the same option should be given by the ncaa and the conferences to these division one athletes give them the option if you don't want to be here we'll reserve your scholarship we won't you know pawn it off we won't use it on somebody else we'll reserve your scholarship for whatever 12 12 months um to give you the option as to whether or not you want to sit out the season or not. Maybe that's not a bad idea or a good idea or a bad idea. I don't know. Um, and I, it's definitely not a nuanced take on, on, on how to handle and, and living with COVID-19. But I do think that that, I think that would be a, a, the right direction. Give these kids the option. And then when they do, you have them sign a, not an NDA, not a non-disclosure agreement, but you have them sign something from the NCAA stating that, look, I, Obviously, they have to be 18, and, and most of these, most of incoming freshmen are at least 18. In not all cases, and I think Arkansas has experienced that, but if they're 18, you give them the option. You have them sign some form of an agreement, like, look, I understand what I'm doing. I want to play football. I, I want to, you know, I'll abide by whatever rules the NCAA has laid out. I think that's the right direction to take. Um, you're going to have a lot of coaches. You know they're going to take this serious. You know the the medical staff is going to be all over these guys. Not to say that that's going to stop COVID because it won't. It, it's going to hit. It already has, but it's going to hit when these guys – I mean, they, they're supposed to report for their full team practice. What is that, July – is that the 20 – 24th, I believe. 24th? I should know this by heart. As many What was it, three podcasts, I think, that I talked about the – the plan yeah. that NCAA had yeah. in place. Yeah. I know it by heart. It's, it's not like we haven't gone over this a few times. <laughs> like three or four times. <laughs> but you, it's going to happen. And the odds are, I mean, how many kids are going to be, you know, asymptomatic? Not even know they have it. And they it's, it's going to happen. So I think it's, it's different when you're talking about grade school kids and then when you're talking about these, you know, 17, 18, 19, whatever, 20, 21-year-old kids. You at least give them the option. Hey, if you don't want to partake, you don't have to. You can stay home. You reserve their scholarship because I don't want to screw these kids out of their scholarships because they were worried about COVID. And they don't want to take it back home to their families, you know, and, and or the other way around from their families to the team. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Someone help me out. Point me in the right direction. Maybe it might, <laughs> your opinion sucks, Ty. One one thing that I'll bring up is we talk, you mentioned the Ivy League and – Whenever I saw, I think it was John Rothstein that broke it first around three o'clock yesterday. Yesterday being Tuesday at this point, and um, I, my first thought was, well, the Ivy League, just like everybody, the Ivy League was the first one to shut down basketball and spring sports on March tenth. 
Yeah. So I didn't really get too incredibly worried about it, but that was something that I was like, well, we need to follow this. And you also think about Ohio State. They paused their voluntary workouts. They're, they didn't announce because of HIPAA violations, that, which would have been a violation had they put it out there. They didn't announce the amount of cases that t- of the players that tested positive, but they're on hold. What scares me more than anything, you can call me insensitive, whatever you want, but the, the thing was Stanford. So Stanford has, until 2021, they've got 36 athletic teams. And – they are cutting 11 of them. All of them are non-revenue, wow. obviously. But this this includes 20 national titles, 27 Olympic gold medals. And in terms of overall national titles for all colleges in Division One, they are ranked number one in NCAA history with 142. See, I didn't know that. And it's not like – yeah, and it's not like Stanford doesn't have millions of dollars worth of funding. Well, that's terrifying. And you think about the fact, how many times have I said on here, football funds almost all athletics in college. Mm -hmm. Basketball, a lot of times pay for itself. I think there's maybe about 10 to 15 baseball programs that pay for themselves. This is the last time I'm going to say this because we've said this till we're blue in the face. The the very first thing that I want is safety for the player. So I'm going to say that for one last time. Hopefully people have heard us say it enough. Ditto. But I just – with, with right <laughs> with a non with, with the survival rate and with the way that things are I understand that we have cases are skyrocketing up but you have to think about the long term effects we we need to make sure that we're very very safe about this but the fact that Stanford a power 5 school and with a team with the funding that they have they're dropping all these athletics it's not going to stop with them. And if we don't have football this year, we already didn't have an NCAA tournament this year. If we don't have football this next season, you can dang near kiss college athletics goodbye. Call well, me crazy if you want to. I don't really care. I've done my research. <laughs> I feel like I know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you, Ty, calling me crazy. I'm saying in general. Um, but, yeah, it's. It, I, I understand. I, I get where people are at. I'm not dogging you. If you don't want college football in the fall, if you think we should continue to sit out, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, it is going to be beyond devastating if we do not have football this year. And it could be that we just have the conference games. I think that that's going to be – that, that will be the very least as it stands on July 9th right now. But it goes a lot further than just, oh, well, let's just go ahead and sit out. It's it, it, This is a big, big deal. Yeah. Um, something else, Boise State, Right. Did you see that about Boise State? They cut, yeah, man. They cut their baseball team. I saw they, and they, they just got their baseball team back. Yeah, and they almost, they almost beat Texas in a series, especially like they got, they worked all, they put in all that money, all that work to get their baseball team back, and now they had to cut it because they don't and, have the funding anymore. And you don't think their football program has brought in some money at that program? That is. I mean, it's it is everywhere. That is the case that the football, like you said, and that's that is one hundred percent correct. Football brings in the money. Boise State, granted, they don't play Power Five football. They, you know, they don't play. You know, they've been kind of a mid major, whatever. But however you want to think of Boise State, regardless, their football program has been really successful. I mean, going back even further than the uh, than the uh, Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma all those years ago. I mean, and, and since then. And they cut their baseball program already once before, and they had to do it again, which is sad. It's just, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I do believe 
We have to figure out a way to, to you know, to live with it. And I think giving people the option is a way of learning to live with it. At least you still have the option of playing the game. Now, what do you do when your entire quarterback room decides, you know, they all opt out? They're like, no, I'm good. I'm not, which won't happen. And I think, honestly, most kids don't want that to happen. And, and if you look at the numbers and the statistics and, and just the, uh, the analytics of the likelihood of someone at that age, 17 to 21, getting it and then dying from it, it's very, 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 very slim. Um, Not to say, again, like Kyle and I said, their health is number one, as it should be. Look, we don't get paid a lot to do this. Like, if they decide to not have college football, it's not going to kill us financially. Right, so we're not we're not out here saying we have to have football for the sake of our jobs. We're not doing that. We absolutely believe, and I I, I believe Jacob feels the same way. Porter feels the same way. Uh, we want these kids to be safe. Their health should absolutely be number one. But I think it's also I, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking the kids, you know, hey, you know, and talking with their families about it, giving them just the option. If you want to opt out, you can. If you want to play, that's also on the table as well. Um, Billy Bob can stand behind me at the grocery store and breathe down my neck two feet away or two inches away. And I think they can play that, that 17 to 22 year old kids can play football. That's one of my takes. But, yeah. You know, what do I know about the price of meat in China? <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. All right. Uh, Peyton Hillis. Oh. Wow. Peyton Hillis. There's a sound bite. Uh, he was on. He was being interviewed by the uh, Elite Sports Podcast. We, I put it out on Twitter. If 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 you haven't already, go look. Hog Talk actually posted the entire uh, the entire interview. I think it's about thirty five minutes. I posted the clip, so it's at Hog Talk. If you don't already follow us there, and I'm sure most of you do, but at Hog Talk, go. You can watch the whole thing there, or if you want, you can go check out. I think I cut out like a minute and forty second clip of what of what everyone's enraged about about what Hill has said. And there's my opinion, and again, like we're saying this, assuming you've heard the piece and you've heard the uh, the sound bite. He's absolutely taking a dump on the University of Arkansas, and he sounds like he's crying over over sour grapes. I shouldn't say crying. I shouldn't say that. I'm not. I'm not trying to throw Peyton under the bus here, but he absolutely takes a dump on the University of Arkansas, and and he is still one of my favorite Razorbacks of all time. I mean, you know, hearing stories about a 16 year old kid pulling diesel trucks with like with just a with just a strap around his waist and holding on to like a rope. You know, and there's still video. You can actually watch YouTube videos of him doing that. He was doing that at like 16 years of age, uh, down in his small world. It's his Twitter picture too. Yeah, I think he uh, still does it, or he, he's got it as his Twitter picture. I, who doesn't? What? And he's about the same. He's a little bit younger than I am, but I remember walking or running into him at the uh, NWA Mall in Fayetteville. My God, he was huge, and he was like 17. Of course, I looked up to this guy, and I loved it watching him run running folks over. And obviously, I was so it was just so. It's hard not to be proud of him, even as like a Ram fan, to watch him tear it up as a Bronco and then to be on the cover of Madden with the Cleveland Browns in that special year he had. What was that? Twenty was that two thousand ten when he when he tore it up when his career started to take off. Um, I mean, he made the cover. He made the cover of Madden. A former Razorback 
running back made the cover of Madden. That doesn't happen very often around here, despite Darren McFadden making the the Xbox 360 cover of NCAA. But uh, I think they used like five athletes that year. He was the sole. I mean, he was the only guy on that cover, and I thought that was so awesome. Of course, mad respect to Peyton Hillis, but he absolutely. And if this were my show on like the Pig Trail pod or the pig trail network i would use a different you know i'd use some expletives here but he took a dump on the university of arkansas without a doubt yeah my biggest problem he started off because the first comments that i were seeing people talking about it on twitter that's where i got the i saw all my notifications and comments on there so i went to the podcast page that i had seen that recorded it with him and I started listening to it, and I'm like, okay, that's fair. You didn't, you and Coach Nutt didn't get along. You probably weren't used always. Now, to be fair, he was used at a lot of different positions, and they had a loaded backfield. So sometimes it was just a little bit crowded, hard to get touches. But as I started getting more and more into it, I'm like, dude, everything this guy's saying, really, the last five or ten minutes is just factually wrong. I'm not going to judge his experience at the U of A. I'm not going to judge his relationship with Houston because right. I'm not Peyton right. Hillis. I wasn't in that room. That's that's between him and Coach Nutt or any of the other coaches. He started talking about how Bobby Petrino, yeah, he was a good coach, but he couldn't compete with the big dogs in the SEC. And he singled out Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and Florida. Well, look at the Florida game in 09. That's probably some of the most infuriated Razorback fans have ever been with Malcolm <laughs> Shepard getting that personal foul and Ramon Broadway getting that BS, that BS uh, pass interference call. So, yeah, you're competing with Florida right there. Then you also look at LSU. He was 2-2 two and two against them. Alabama, yes, three out of the four years Petrino was there. They did whip us pretty good. But besides 2014 when we lost by one point, that was the closest that we had ever come to beating them in 2010, which I have never seen Fayetteville more crazy than I have that day. Hmm. And then you look at Georgia. Do you not remember Child's Pleas? We beat them at their place, and we almost beat them in 09, Ryan Mallett's first. Yep. And he said we didn't have a good quarterback after Petrino. Well, there was a guy named Brandon Allen that completed 65% of his passes, 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, and a QB rating of 166 his senior year. I think that's pretty good the last time that I checked. Then he goes in and he starts talking about how they don't, they're not hiring the people that had the passion to be at the program or know what it's about. I'm going to tend to agree with him on that. I, I feel like he was probably mainly talking about Chad Morris and that staff. I don't think that Brett Bielema didn't necessarily not want to be there. I think he just got lazy with his recruiting. I don't think that he was necessarily as awful as a coach as people made him out, as some made him out to be. But then he goes into Sam. They, they ask him directly, what do you think of Coach Sam Pittman? And he talked about how he's been trying to get on to get on staff there in some regard for the last couple of years. Nobody will call him back. It's not as first of all, it's not as simple just to get on staff. Just because you're a good player doesn't make you a good coach. You're not just going to get on there because you request it. That's not how it worked. And if he wants to talk about that, we're not hiring passionate coaches. Look, I understand Sam Pittman hasn't coached a game. For the University of Arkansas yet, but I've watched a lot of introductory coaches' interviews for the University of Arkansas, for NFL teams, for college teams. I can maybe count on two fingers that I've ever seen a coach have to step away from the podium because he's crying so hard because he's so happy to be there. There is no other coach that wanted this job in the nation more than Sam Pittman. Yeah. So to say that kind of crap is really what it was to me is I think, again, I'm not judging what he said about him and Coach Nutt and, what, and when he was on the team. 
But I think Peyton Hill is just a little bit out of touch with reality, and he needs to try a little bit harder to reach out to the university as opposed to the university reach out to him, and he doesn't need to cry about it on podcast. Mm, dang. Kyle just went there. Kyle just went there. Wow. I, I wasn't even going to – I wasn't gonna go that deep on it, but like hearing you say that, I, 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 yeah, I mean you're you're not wrong. And someone had pointed out on Twitter they thought that this was more aimed towards Chad Morris that part of his rant, and maybe that is the case. I don't know. I don't live inside Peyton Hillis's head, but like you said, maybe I don't want to say educate yourself, but get caught up on what's happening. Get caught up well, on what's happening on the, the hill. Benefit of the doubt, because I'm with you. Like at first, when he started talking about, well, you know, these coaches are not. They didn't really get it. They don't understand. They're not passionate. I'm like, I, I agree with you, Chad Morris, 100. percent And I and I don't think that all. I think Justin Stepp, who was on his staff, still is on staff there. He gets it. I think there was a Mark Smith, defensive backs coach, and, and I believe he was also had the title of recruiting coordinator. I think he was passionate. I think there was a couple of guys on this staff that did get it. Um, John Chavis, definitely not. Joe Craddock, definitely not. But then he started talking about Sam Pitt, and I'm like, dude, it's not your – for every – you think about the – and we've had former Razorback players on. We, we've had Coach Nutt on, on our on a Facebook Live interview. And for every disgruntled player that you find – and I'm not talking about – excluding the Chad Morris tenure. For every disgruntled player that you find from the University of Arkansas, you'll find 30 that talk about how grateful they are to have been there. Yeah, and that's what was a little bit surprising to me was, I don't know, I, it's, I've not really heard very many players who you can actually call by name um, talk about their, their, their time at Arkansas. Like they asked him, I think this was his, I, I forgot how many years now it's been since he graduated the U of A. They mentioned on the, on the podcast, I just forgot. But they're like, oh, what do you think of that? He's just kind of, eh, whatever, you know. Yeah, I don't really think that much. Of, like, oh, okay. All right. I mean, you're entitled to that opinion, but I've just never heard of 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 former Razorbacks being that down. And to me, it's it's like it's like it's sour grapes. I think he really is upset that um, that that no one's really reached out to him. And that was something that had been talked about with Chad Morris um, that he wasn't bringing on. You know, he wasn't talking to former players. We had Drew Morgan on here, and he he had, I, I believe, if I recall. He had commented, I don't remember if we were recording or not, but he'd commented about trying to reach out to Chad Morris at that time and being a part of his staff. And um, Now, of course, Drew Morgan, you're going to have to go through the steps. I think Morgan knows that, and he's doing exactly that. He's going through, the, he's going through that typical, like, how you get there, right? Like, you don't just get there because you were great at that position X amount of years ago. You know, there's a certain tunnel you have to take you know, and, and, and to get to be a coach or to get to be an, a, an assistant or whatever. So I don't know. I don't really know that whole situation with Peyton, with Peyton Hillis in the U of A. I don't know that relationship. Sounds like it's not a very good one. It's unfortunate. He's still, I mean, this doesn't, this won't change my mind of him as a player, obviously. He's one of the greatest running backs yeah. ever, to ever put the jersey on, period. Not even just a running back. He's one of the greatest hogs ever. I mean, what that guy had to deal with, his injuries, being a part of, you know, with Felix and Darren McFadden, being in that backfield, one of the greatest SEC backfields of all time. That's right. I said it. I don't care if you're an Auburn fan or Alabama fan. I don't care. Like, that is one of the greatest SEC backfields of all time, and he was a part of that. And uh, was fantastic. And then you saw what he did in the NFL. You know, he had some pretty great years with Denver, and then obviously what he did at Clem- uh, Cleveland. Not taking anything away from him from that from that standpoint. But 
I was a little bit surprised, and he absolutely took a dump on on his former program. And so now you wonder, you know, and I didn't listen to the Pittman portion. I know you did. I haven't had a chance yet because all this was kind of happening literally right before we were starting to record along with that commitment. So I was trying to get caught up on everything. But now you wonder if there's ever going to be a relationship with Peyton Hillis in the university. I imagine years down the road, this will just be, you know, it'll be water under the bridge, whatever. He just, he said something out of spite on a podcast. Like it happens. He shouldn't be penalized for that for life, but I don't know. I, again, I'm with you. Maybe kind of put a little effort into thinking about what you're about to say when you're a major former player at, the, at a university like Arkansas and what you're saying that's going to be put out to the public. Um, we don't have to worry about that, Kyle, because <laughs> because we're just a couple of couple of guys running an amateur podcast or whatever, yeah. but we're also yeah. not former like legends that belong to a program, and we're not taking a dump on that program. That'd be like us leaving here and taking a dump on Hog Talk. That's a little disrespectful. I don't know. Well, and that's my thing. Again, I, I'll say it for the third time. I'm not going to judge his relationship with Coach Nutt or the university, but then you right. start going, you start saying things that are factual. You talk about how you want people to have pity for you, but yet you're saying things that are completely factually untrue. Yeah, that's when I have to. And I'll say this. I'll say this one last thing is we you know, we had Coach Nutt on. I believe it was in April for a Facebook Live talk, and we we did a Zoom call with him and. The, and the way that we had gotten that, and I'm not sitting here trying to toot my own horn. I'm just using this to prove my point. I got, when My last trip from San Antonio to Arkansas before I moved back here, I, I was on a plane from Dallas to Little Rock with him. And we got to talking. And I, I, of course, introduced myself, told him I used to go to his camps when I was little, big fan, all that hoopla. But I was like, I'm going to let the guy be. I mean, you know, he's, he's coming back to Little Rock to see his mom. He started a conversation with me. and he And then as we get off the plane – People are trying to start conversations with him, and he he's talking to him just like they're like his best friends. He's right. treating everybody the same, not being standoffish. And of course, you know, I connected with him. We exchanged emails, and we stayed in contact. But at getting off the plane, everybody in the in the terminal was, "Hey, Coach Nut," he and he was the exact same to everybody. And that's the kind of stuff that you hear about him that I've heard about in my entire. He he became the head coach when I was seven, he, he got uh, fired or resigned when I was 17. But my whole entire life from former players, from people that went to school with him at Central, where he, where he went to high school, you hear the same consistent stuff about how just personable of a guy is, how much of a player's coach he is, how much of just a good guy he is. And, and I will give Peyton the benefit of the doubt on that. He said Coach Nutt had a good heart. I don't think that it was anything personal. But you're going to have those times when you play, especially big time football, and and in the SEC and the big whatever conference you want to look at, there's going to be some disgruntled players every now and again. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. You know, this stuff that we hear about Houston Nutt, man, that guy is an upstanding individual. And again, Peyton did mention that, so I'm not going to act like he didn't. But uh, you know, we were blessed to have Coach Nutt, and I didn't realize it at the time. But the guy still loves the University of Arkansas. He still bleeds red. He's, he loves this state. Uh, I can't say enough great things about the. Yeah. Well, if, if you guys want to listen to that, um, you can, again, you can go find the actual, the whole conversation that he had with, uh, with the elite sports podcast. You could go to their website or you could, you can just go click on the link on the hog talk podcast and, uh, uh, go from there. Also moving on to, um, to Arkansas, we've got, our first point spread. We won't spend a whole lot of time on this because I don't even know how much it matters right now. But Arkansas is favored in its 
and its first point spread provided by Vegas, which is uh, Circus Sports from Vegas. They have Arkansas favored at nine points. I have a video breaking down Nevada, and I, I don't I don't know uh, if if Arkansas wins this thing by seven because of all the unknown or by nine. Excuse me. I don't know if there's so many unknowns. I mean, they're just there's just so many questions about from from just a what do you have to work with on defense standpoint to uh, what happens at quarterback. I know your thoughts on Felipe Franks. You're not super hot on Felipe Franks, and you're not the only one. Um, there's just too many unknowns for Arkansas. Meanwhile, Nevada, I mean, they're bringing back a lot of experience on both sides of the ball. They've got four of their starting five offensive line. They've got a star wide receiver. This guy's like 6'5". Uh, I don't have his measurables in front of me, but he caught like, I think it was 70-something passes for almost 1,000 yards a year ago, seven or eight touchdowns. They've got a couple of potential uh, they've got a thunder lightning situation at running back. Uh, they've got an outstanding all conference linebacker or all conference caliber linebacker. A couple of all conference defensive backs. Nevada's got Nevada has some. I'm not. I don't want to say like talent compared to Power Five football. You know, but they're bringing back a quarterback a year ago who lost his starting spot, got it back. He had a come from behind victory against a Power Five program. Uh, threw for 400 yards in a. Uh, I think it was their bowl game in the uh, potato bowl, if I remember correctly, like they have experience, they have the know-how. I don't know that I'm taking Arkansas by nine or not, Kyle. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I think that Arkansas is going to come out and we're, and you're going to see much, even in the first game, you'll see a lot more discipline than we've seen in the last few years, which that's not really hard to do. But on the flip side, you've got talked about that Nevada team. I know. And you mentioned that you did a, a quick little video over what they have returning. Mm-hmm. He's, even group of five teams are not scared to come into Fayetteville. They've seen what Western Kentucky did. They've seen what North Texas did, what San Jose State. Nobody is scared to come and play in Fayetteville, and especially a team that Jay Norvell is, is an incredible coach. He's got a he's, he's very, very defensive-minded. Um, it's going to be a little while before any team – back in the day, it, it was a no-brainer if these FCS schools or even the small group of five schools came in not necessarily always going to roll over him, but you knew it was going to be a win. But that's gone. lately, that's that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, when I was in college, we didn't even think about it. Oh, yeah, don't even worry about it. This is obviously before I was doing content creation. I didn't have to pay as much attention to the games. But, oh, yeah, let's go, uh, let's go do it, like go to the bars or whatever, do something else. We don't have to watch this. We're going to win this, no problem. So it's a lot different now. Uh, we, you've got to take everybody, and you always have to take everybody seriously. But a little bit so much, a little bit much more now. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I see this maybe being three to four points as opposed to yeah. nine. Personally, that's that's where I was at with it. I had Arkansas favored by about yeah. I mean, a field goal, maybe maybe double that, maybe six points. But again, that's not. Uh, that's 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 just based on what we know now. I mean, a lot could happen. Again, we may not even have non-conference games the way this is shaken out. I've got uh, some breaking news here really quick. Um, this is from ESPN, literally 12 minutes ago. Big Ten moving to conference model, conference-only model for all sports this fall, including football. Um, that says moving to. Now, that's it, not... Not a done deal yet, but that's uh, that's Mark Schleyball and and Heather 
Denich, I think is how you pronounce her last name, or Denick. I'm not really sure. But, yeah, that's from ESPN. So, Big Ten moving to conference-only model for all sports. Maybe, maybe it is in, written in stone here. I don't know. I need to open that up and look yeah, at it later. Big Ten. So, uh, this clearly won't be breaking news once we, once we release this pod, but uh, it did get announced that the Big Ten voted, and it oh. will be just uh, conference-only games. I don't know if you got that. That's I just texted it to you. Okay. Uh, Texas Targ. Yeah. And so some notable games are going to be impacted. Of course, Ohio State and Oregon, Michigan at Washington. That's a really big one, especially the Ohio State and Michigan games. Those are uh, Penn State and Virginia Tech, Cincinnati, Nebraska. Wow. Miami at Michigan State. So there's, yeah, that's a. that's pretty big. That's pretty big stuff. That meter but, just keeps moving in the opposite direction, Kyle. It I know keeps it's moving. I still, I still think it's going to be at least conference. <laughs> I still think we will have at least conference games. I, I'm oh, not going to falter on that. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, if Arkansas has a, a conference only schedule, <laughs> you're talking about. I don't know. If yeah, we you're might lucky, well one to two wins. Hide. I don't know. It might. Oh god. That sucks. And we've already got a pretty tough non-con. Nevada and, and Notre Dame, those yeah. definitely will not be pushovers. Yeah. Well, and what are the odds, too? You know, the first time ever, Arkansas on the road playing Notre Dame. Like, mm. the most important, just in terms of the history behind Notre Dame, obviously, the opportunity to play up there in that stadium with all the history and, and just the, the, the history behind both programs, but obviously Notre Dame's had, had a far more storied history than Arkansas has. Uh, it's just the truth. Please don't get triggered and write me hateful emails or hateful tweets or hateful Discord messages. Just the truth of it. But here's your opportunity to, to, to have this game unfold, even if it's going to be an ass-whooping. All right, pardon my French. Who cares? You get the opportunity to, to see them play each other, and it may not happen. And it's starting to look a lot well, less likely. This is this is out of Arkansas's control, but what does Pinto always say? Hog's gonna hog. Yeah. Even if it's out of our control, hog's still gonna hog. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it when stuff unfolds like right as we're in the middle of recording these. It's like dead yeah. because you're not this well. This is first. exactly what happened to us right when I was about to move back to Arkansas. And we're like, like we're literally you and I are talking about one topic, and then I'm like, uh, Ty, we got something else happened. Uh, so, Big East <laughs> is canceling. Big uh, the Pac-12 is like yeah. it's literally just domino effect after domino effect, and then we get the news. Of, the, probably the the hardest thing that I've ever had to say on a pod was that we were not going to see Heston Kerstead, K- Casey Opitz, which we will see Casey Opitz again, and Casey Martin in a Razorback uniform. I think that's the most devastating words. <laughs> that have ever come out of my mouth on a podcast doing hog talk and text hogs. What do we, I don't even know where to begin. If, if I mean, yeah, no, that, that was, that was tough. That was a tough podcast. Not going to lie. Um, what do we do in the sec? I, I just feel like now it's going to be a domino effect between all the conferences. And so now what, and then how does that affect the bowl season? Like, whoever gets three, four wins? Well, let's see, you play eight conference games in the SEC. So four, conf- four conference wins gets you to a bowl game? Like, how are they going to splice this thing up? Of course, that hasn't happened yet. This is only Big Ten. But you know we're going to have these conversations when this happens with the SEC. And it's, I don't know, man, 2020 can just, just I don't know, can, can uh, 
bugger off somewhere. I want to use some other words so badly, but I, I know we're, 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 we're like Disney friendly here. We're supposed to be. Okay. Although I will say Hamilton is on Disney and they allowed swearing. So I don't want any more of this like, oh, you've got to be, you know, really strict on language with, with the Disney shows. Forget that. Hamilton, they swore a lot. And my wife is obsessed with that damn show now. And uh, that's my life. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, the Discord questions really quick. Um, let's see. Uh, Jarrett Carrot wants to know chances of Arkansas getting f- uh, chances of getting a five and seven record for football next year. Uh, I'll let you go first. I kind of already know where I'm at. Well, I know where I'm at with it. I kind of know where you're at with it. Yeah, just assuming that we still have the regular slate, I'm I'm sticking with my four and eight, and that will not change until until I hear otherwise, whether that we're not playing, which I just don't see happening, or uh, if it goes to the conference games only, I still stay strong. All we win all of our non cons out outside of Notre Dame, and so that gets you three wins, and then they'll still one in the SEC. I'm going to say it's one of the Mississippi. I, four I'm and eight. I'm still really early. Like I'm, you know, I'm really behind i really thought by now i'd be halfway through the schedule i'm still trying to break down the or, uh, notre dame uh and i'm going to try and get that video out hopefully by next week but uh i i'm right now as it stands again assuming we have a regular season i'm somewhere between two and four wins uh, and, and I know no one wants to hear two again. That's like a, you just don't want to hear that. And hell four shouldn't even make anybody happy either, but that's just where I'm at right now. When I'm done with doing everything that I'm trying to do and, and get that video done where, you know, my official preseason prediction, that's hopefully going to be out sometime, uh, mid, mid to late August, somewhere in there, right before the season starts, that could change. But right now I'm somewhere between two and four wins. There's just there, man, the talent on defense is just. Good Lord, this might be the least talented defense they've ever had. The good news is they have someone like Odom who who else could you who who more suited for that position and that job to take on a defense, you know, to mold them into something respectable uh, than him. Don't get me wrong, I know we've got Bumper Pool who I've been real big on. You've got Dorian Gerald coming back, Matiel Soli, they've they've got Slusher, who's going to be a freshman, Joseph Fouché and, and Brown. You've got some things to kind of work with, but take off your hog blinders for a minute. Where are they compared to the rest of the conference and overall talent? How much do they have any potential next round or, or next level of football talent on defense? And I, I, you know, right now I'm not seeing it. They don't, they don't have it. It scares me. Offensively, the good news is we've talked about this a million times. This is probably your most talented skill position group that you've had on campus since I don't know I, maybe when you had Collins and Williams in the backfield and and had you know had some respectable wideouts it might be somewhere in there um, with with Knox and Burks and Raheem Boyd and you've got the transfer running back you've got Hudson Henry and so far unproven but yet you know he's got that that name the Henry name and he was highly recruited out of high school. They've got some pieces to work with. There's just so many unknowns. Um, nine point spread against Nevada. Do you think we cover? We actually kind of already we already got that one. Um, Matt wanted to know about who would be more likely to get a five star between the the two sports, baseball or uh, basketball and football. Who would be more likely That's a to great get a? Question. That is a good question. I would probably argue basketball. I don't know. 
I yeah, I'm with you too. They're look. I don't think that we're going to get them, but we've got a really, really good. We're in a good spot with Harrison Ingram, the five star out of Texas. I believe it's his favorite is Stanford and like maybe Texas Tech, but we're still at the coaching staff's been in a lot of a lot of talks with him. Real good position, but I think at the very least it'll come down to at least his final three. Yeah, that, but that's. That's, Who knows? I mean, I, but to answer the question, I think that it's going to be basketball before it is football. Yeah, same here. If, if that happens, and unless you get an in-state prospect. By the way, this 2022 class, oh my gosh. Like, it's starting to look pretty deep. Arkansas already has seven offers, and it's rumored they're going to be double digits. I don't remember the last time they had double-digit offers in-state, but it's looking like that could very well happen in this 2022 class. Does that mean they spit out a five-star? It's possible. they got a couple of big-time linemen. Uh unlikely but it's possible and then then you could definitely make the argument when that pops on your radar when that kid gets his fifth star uh their names are absent in my mind right now but there's there's two offensive tackles that are highly that are being really looked at and there's another um you went over this actually not that long ago uh, another prospect that's that's kind of propping up on everyone's radar you've got a couple players out of central arkansas to keep an eye on 2022 could be pretty well stacked it could also be another year where you just have like 10 or 11 you know, guys that are D1 worthy, not necessarily a lot of stars next to their names. Um, why is Peyton Hill such a whiner? Kelly Marie. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we already um, went over that, but um, I I just think he's a little burned about not being asked to be a part of the U of A a little more, and maybe that has more to do with Chad Morris. I don't know. I, at first, I was like you. I was really angry over that. Like, man, come on, dude. This, is, this place – this place, I think you could argue, had a lot to do with your – obviously had a lot to do with your development and, and getting you ready for the NFL. Um, not that he couldn't have done that anywhere else, but I don't know, man. I mean, he talks about yeah, – But realistically, though, how many player, how many former players do you think that they actually reach out to? I mean, obviously Darren McFadden because he recently got elected to the College Football Hall of Fame. He's – the greatest Razorback to ever put on a uniform. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some of those guys, like the triplets, Sidney Moncrief, Marvin Delph, and Ron Brewer. But how many how many players do you think they actually reach out? I, I would like to know that number. You know what I mean? Like, That'd be a good kind of. I, I can see where Peyton's coming from in some ways, but at the same time, it's like, dude, if you really want, like, like Ryan Mallett, he used to go up to their practices and sit there and hey, Joe Adams would do the same thing. Jarius Wright. He's in Springdale. You make a little bit more effort. That's yeah. the way that I see. It. I didn't I mean, know like that. I I thought he was still down in Conway. Or no, he's. I think he was actually after he finished his NFL career. I want to say he was like a volunteer coach at Siloam Springs. And I'm pretty. I know he's in Northwest Arkansas, but I want to say he's in Springdale. And well, the whole thing about Sam Pittman, like him not being able to meet him, it's probably because I don't know if he's had his head under a rock for the past four months, but we've had a pandemic going on, so they're not just letting anybody on campus. I mean, I'm sorry. I know I'm being like super negative Nancy on this. But you like, are, dude, just, you're a Hillis hater. Head, That's what you man. Are. You're a Hillis like, hater. I know. I, I've been more negative. I'm normally pretty positive, and I'm normally like look at a – like a glass half full type situation right. but i just look at this and i'm like man you're 34 years old mm-hmm. like you make a little bit of effort yeah yeah and and yeah i don't know i i i've i've said what i'm gonna say on it i'm just still i'm still in a little bit of shock that he was that that negative towards the university i i just 
I don't know. I guess maybe it's a wake-up call. Maybe more players are upset with, with how things happened at the U of A with Houston Nutt. I know he brought that up with how Houston Nutt kind of handled the uh, Gus Malzahn stuff. And, and, you know, hey, that's his experience, and he was there, and, and he has a right to his opinion, like you said. I just I was a little bit surprised that, that he wasn't a little bit more upbeat. Like, yeah, you know what? We did some special things at Arkansas. We... The, the three of us, Felix, Darren, and, and myself, we, we tore it up in the SEC. It really wasn't any of that. It was it was uh, a lot of – it just seemed like he was upset over them not getting a hold of him, and, and I don't know. But, it, it's again, it's a pretty good listen if you guys want to go watch it or listen to it. Um, there was another question. I can't find it now on Discord. So uh, I think Kelly was wanting to know about our baseball recruiting there class. There it is. Which, there it is, baseball. 2020, uh, we – which we we have covered that we lost three guys to the to the majors. Well, to, well, they're not going to be in the show, but obviously got drafted. Um, David Calabrese went to just a quick recap. David Calabrese, outfielder from Canada, went to the Los Angeles Angels, and then the tie our Cardinals uh, picked up Tinkents and and Mason Wynn. So I know that we are very happy about that. Now, yes. 2021, I don't know the exact ranking. I know they're in good spot. They've uh, they're 18 or they have 18 players. Plated for 2021. The most recent one was Carter Boyd out of Reagan High School in North Carolina. He's the 121st player overall, according to Perfect Game. Was actually committed to Florida for a while, I believe, since like around his sophomore season. And Matt Hobbs, when he was at Wake Forest, was trying to get him then, but the guy was committed to Florida, so he kind of backed off a little bit. He commits from Florida. Matt Hobbs goes after him again, and he's able to snag him this time. So, assuming he doesn't get an extremely good draft position next year, um, then we could be—he uh, will be in a Razorback uniform, and that's the most recent one to commit. But they, there's 18 on board for 2021. As it's well, God willing, they get him on campus. Um, I—I think that's about it. Is did we miss anything? Are we? That's it, man. That was that was that was a lot of stuff. A lot more content than I was expecting <laughs> yesterday. But I knew lot, it. There has been a lot of stuff that's happened over the yeah. last twenty four hours. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I had a feeling it would be a long one, and uh, we've still got we've got uh, Zach Clark coming up next. But yeah, I, I knew this would be a little lengthy. So uh, these Friday shows typically vary, but it seems like hey, we're able to create content when there's not a whole lot of content, and that's awesome. And uh, that's a testament to everything we do here, Kyle uh, Porter, you and myself. What we're what we've been able to 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 do, and of course we rely on Jacob and and uh, everything the four of us do together here. Just we're able to push out content. And that's what matters. So, you know, it is it's a lot of work, man. But I truly enjoy. I mean, I mean it when I said it on the on the hundredth episode. Like it's it's my getaway. Now, if if I if it gets too stressful, then the bachelor's my getaway, but you know, that's a different story for a different day. The bats. We're going to get you into that one of these days. You know what I've been watching because I'm not allowed to watch anything without my wife. I have I have had to narrow down uh war documentaries on Netflix. You know, like the the uh the the v, there's a Viet, a good Vietnam with Ken Burns. It's a really good one. Watch that. Yes, I watched Ken Band Burns. of Brothers on HBO. I love the Band of Brothers. Of course, that's more. It's not necessarily a, a documentary, more like a bio series, whatever. But and then the only thing I can watch that she doesn't care is if I watch like the '90s X-Men cartoons. Not gonna lie, I've been, I've been. <laughs> I'll play them because I'm trying to get my kids into it. And I'm like, oh, look, here's here's Wolverine. Here's, you know, Rogue and Storm and Cyclops trying to get them introduced into my nerdy world. And um, they're not having it. So I'll just sit there and play on my phone and 
play play X Men on the, in, in the background. So no judgment, please. Uh, but I still yeah, I've like been on uh, Last Chance You la- the the fifth and final <laughs> season of the football. Of course, Last Chance You is switching over to ba- junior college basketball, basketball next yeah. year. That's going to be but is the, wait, uh, the, the fifth and final season starts on July twenty. I think it drops on July twenty eighth or 29th, So I've been re catching up on that. The, mm-hmm. And if you guys have not ever watched Last Chance You, season three features Rakeem Boyd. Uh, yeah. Really good stuff, and that is a good season. There's not really been a season yeah. I don't like. But uh, boy, oh boy! Yeah, that if head you, coach. I would not. If you don't like the f word, I would not recommend it. Jason Brown uses it a lot. <laughs> that uh, is so not... don't watch it around your kids. I would not recommend that at all. It's not Disney friendly, guys. It's not even Hamilton. No. Like it's. <laughs> yeah, it's dude. That's that. I mean, my grandfather talked like a sailor, and I don't even think he would appreciate the way JB. Oh talks. my! It'll make you blush, man. And uh, we we posted a clip on Twitter a little while back replying to last chance use twitter like the best jason brown moments and i posted a video <laughs> i watched it, that episode yesterday man that was brutal i mean oh him and his wide receiver gosh. coach almost got in a fight yeah and, man yeah, it, was, it, was, it was bad they were they were uh they were flexing they were bowing up it's it's crazy the amount of talent they had uh all yeah. right well that is gonna do it here at the hog talk podcast next up former purple dog that's right former Faytown purple dog former razorback uh, former UCA Bear and now current Springdale High head coach. For me as a former Purple Dog, that's so weird to say. The current head coach at Springdale High, Mr. Zach Clark, next up on the final segment here on the Hog Talk Podcast. Stick around. Woo pig. Since 1984, Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, has been your one-stop shop for all of your auto repair needs, including tune-ups, oil changes, transmission repairs, and even body work. Stop by or give them a call today at 870-942-4612. Again, that's 870-942-4612. We're back on episode number 103 of the Hog Talk podcast. We're happy to be joined by former Razorback and UCA Bear quarterback, Coach Zach Clark, who is now at Springdale High School. And Coach, start off by asking you, as we're recording on July 9th here, there's been a complete domino effect of a lot of college football news. We're still uncertain about the upcoming football season. How have you and your staff been adjusting accordingly during this summer? Well, you know, we're trying to do, obviously, as much as possible. Um, it's hard. I feel like we have to prepare for a lot of scenarios uh, that we really don't even know what's going to, you know, what's going to happen. So, you know, within the guidelines, uh, you know, obviously we can't have contact or, or put pads on or even you know, hit dummies right now. But um, we're trying to do – it's really kind of a normal summer. I mean, we've had to change uh, some of – you know, some of the ways we do things to get less people in the weight room at one time, but it's, you know, as far as the lifting and the, and the uh, conditioning and the speed and agility stuff, um, it's pretty similar, but you know, the, the actual football stuff is, is way different, but we are able to, you know, at least throw and catch and do some individual and start, you know, putting in, uh, putting in our, our schemes of more of like a walkthrough type, type deal or team burst air. But, uh, it's certainly different, but you know, the good news is everybody's kind of in the same boat. So, you know, it's, it's not like one team's out there going to five team camps and two seven on sevens and, and we're just sitting here getting behind. So, 
Um, it, it, but it's it's definitely nice. I think this is week five or six that we've been able to to do something, and uh, it's much better than than having to you know be at home uh, just having Zoom meetings with the guys. Now you were a standout football and baseball player at Fayetteville High School in the late '90s, and we all know you started your career at the University of Arkansas under Coach Houston Nutt. And you, you did – we'll go into your baseball career a little bit at, once you got to UCA here in a second, but did you consider playing baseball at the University of Arkansas as well, or was it football the whole time? No, I did. And um, Oh, you did you play? Know, and that was one of – well, no, I didn't play. I did consider it. And that was gotcha. one of the okay. things, like, with Coach Nutt, you know, he was a two-sport guy, so, so that was part of the – I mean, you know, I was obviously a huge Arkansas fan, so I was going to go – uh, but then it just happened uh, right in the summer. There was uh, they they had oversigned, and so you know, and I was like a buck seventy five. I mean, soaking wet. Just I was maybe I was one eighty at that point. But and so Arkansas was oversigned. Houston went to my dad actually and said, "Hey, can he delay um, until January? That will help them obviously help obviously with the scholarship issue, and then." You know, I wasn't ready to play physically then, and so thought it was a good idea. And then uh, going through in the fall, um, if if you'll you know remember, we we played we played South Carolina and lost like three quarterbacks uh, in one game. The next week had to call John Rutledge off of the intramural field to come play. So going into spring football, I was the only scholarship quarterback uh, on campus, so I was going to get every rep. And ended up, you know, it's best for me not to play. So it didn't happen. Uh, certainly wish it could have, but I, you know, I don't, don't regret it. Uh, but I, you know, I was, I, you know, that was dream too with my dad as a, as a, as an assistant coach at Arkansas. It just, you know, it didn't work out. But that was, you know, that was always what I wanted to do. Coach, kind of talk about the recruiting process back when you played, opposed to now as a coach, what you see your kids go through and. You know, without social media, there really wasn't nothing but phone calls and, and, and a few emails. Yeah, I mean, I look – I found some stuff the other day. First of all, there's no social media, so you get, like, letters. And, and the, I mean, they still give them now, but I remember the first um, the first letter I got, Mike Adams going through the hall, and I think it's from, like, Tennessee or something, I like a questionnaire that you'd fill out and, and, and send it back. And it just – now I'll say, you know, with that, it, it was sure I had a dream to play college football or the NFL or whatever. But I think now it's a lot harder because there's so much information out there. There's there's so many, you know, kids are are tweeting out their highlight videos and and you know this and that. It's it's uh, it, there's more exposure. But there's also it seems like a lot of pressure where kids from eighth and ninth grade that I. I never once, um, and I don't know anybody on our on our team. We had, you know, Jay Strain, Stedman Campbell, and you know, guys that play Ryan Brazil played college football. I don't remember going to anybody going to, you know, Mike Adams and saying, "Hey, I want to play college football. How, how can you get me there?" And now it's kind of part of part of our job. We just went and played uh, and had fun, and then whatever happened. So I feel like there was less pressure, you know, and then. Those recruiting services, they they come out. I mean, you know, I remember the first time I heard about, you know, Eli Manning was, you know, in some – I think Philip Rivers was in the same class. So it's 
kind of cool. Some of those real top guys you you'd hear about, but it's it's nothing like it is today. And, and of course, I mean, I guess technically the internet was alive, but nobody was, you know, it wasn't. It, I mean, everything now is just you can point and click, and and it's at your fingertips. Uh, there's a lot of information, so that's I don't think as many kids go unnoticed. Uh, so that's a positive, but you know, but I, I try to educate the kid, you know, the kids that I coach and just, just go out and have fun. I mean, they'll find you, but don't put undue pressure because then you get to college and, and it's not about fun. I mean, you can eventually make it fun when things are going well, but it's pretty miserable, especially initially. And you, you just got to love football and you've got to love to play. I'd say any sport to be able to, to kind of withstand, I, I don't want to miserable in, in the right word, but, but it's hard. It's a job. And, you know, you're really, I mean, the coaches, it is their livelihood. And, um, you know, so it, it's not all about fun. So if they can learn to really enjoy and love the game in high school, I think those are the guys that eventually end up making it. If we Earlier this week, we talked with uh, Ron Calcagney, former quarterback for the Razorbacks also, and he played for Coach Lou Holtz back in the 70s. And one of, I can imagine, your most memorable memorable games at Arkansas was against him in South Carolina. They were a top-10 team in, in Little Rock. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you, Pat, you threw the only touchdown in that game in the 10-7 win. And talk about the emotions of that. I'm pretty sure that got Coach Houston Nutt to 11-0 at War Memorial Stadium. What was that game like for you? Um, that, that was one of the – that was one of the most exciting moments um, in my two or three years at Arkansas. We had, you know, obviously a great defense. Um, I just watched – somebody sent me a link, and I watched kind of the highlights or fast forward. I mean, the game was so much different. Than, I mean, everybody played with a true fullback, you know. And But it was – I can remember it, the pass was uh, tipped, I think, by Kalimba Edwards, who was like a 10-year NFL I mean, phenomenal linebacker. He almost picked it. And uh, it was tipped. Richard Smith made a, made a great catch. Uh, and obviously, that's a great memory. But I remember at the end of the game, uh, we're, we're going in to kneel it. It was right after uh, Carlos Hall blocked the, the field goal to tie it. And I, I swear to you, you know, Houston has to grab me. And, and you know, he, he's talking. I mean, we're face-to-face, and the ground is shaking. I mean, I, I don't – I mean, the War Memorial, you see it so loud. Um, I mean, I mean, the, the ground, I could feel the ground shaking. It was, it was just electric. And, uh, you know, now I think Razorback Stadium was, was undergoing like that big, uh, you know, one of the big remodels. Um, and so it really didn't get, it didn't get nearly as loud as, uh, as Little Rock. And uh, those were, I mean, some of those Little Rock games, but certainly that one, just, just the atmosphere and the intensity of, of uh, that whole game. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Keeping up with that, you know, the Little Rock experience, like I've seen a lot of highlight films and especially with the debate of what's going to happen in War Memorial Stadium and should they play more games? I think that the winning cures a lot of it. Cause like you said, the games you played in War Memorial and how rocking it was, of course. And then, you know, you could go tailgate on the golf course six hours before the game. So, I mean, I know that had something to do with it, but yeah. the excitement, the excitement of War Memorial back in the day, I think we've lost a lot of that. So, therefore, I think they don't 
think that the games will be important. But if winning, especially if, you know, they got Arkansas State on the schedule and played them, I think War Memorial would come back to life. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, without weighing in on the, you know, the, the debate, uh, it, you know, obviously, number one, winning, you know, is, is going to fill the seats. But I think also, I mean, it's a – I'd hate to be an athletic director right now. And this is even – you know, our games are on a YouTube channel that, uh, you know, you go places that – I mean, people, especially when the weather gets bad, they can decide to stay home and just watch it, you know, in t- they can be in town and decide to stay home and just watch it on TV or on, you know, on your phone or, or whatever. And to college, I, I think it's going to continue to be harder and harder and harder to get people to, uh, to attend live sporting events unless you're just phenomenal because uh, – you know, you can stay at home on the on the couch, but there's something to be – somebody's going to figure out how to make it You're right as far as, like, the atmosphere, the tailgating's still fun, uh, and then make that in-game atmosphere feel more like, you know, you're, you're at home. Because there's still nothing like being – you know, watching a sporting event live, you know, the excitement of a great game. Uh, you know, but, I mean, nobody wants to sit there in a – 60 to 14 blowout when it's, you know, 37 degrees and, and raining, but, but, you know, eventually, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start feeling the, the stands, I'm sure a little more, but, but I think that's, that's kind of a trend nationally that, uh, you know, it's just, it's harder to fill a stadium now. After uh, playing a couple of years at Arkansas, you transferred to the university of central Arkansas, played quarterback there under coach Clint Conk and um, very successful D2 program at the time. And then, the guy that ended up taking over for you, Nathan Brown, who's now the head coach, has done a great job of keeping them a successful Division One team. Talk about just the the decision that you made. You know, not really a decision you made, but just like the times yeah. that you had while you were there, because you ended up playing baseball as well and had a very successful uh, just career overall. So just talk about a couple of your favorite moments there. Well, you know, I mean, I guess you know the decision first. Of all, I mean, it wasn't you know there wasn't even hard feelings. I just I wanted to play, and I had played you know, in Arkansas for, for two years, really my sophomore year, but even parts of my freshman year. And I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be a backup. That was, that was, yeah, I didn't want to, you know, not play. I knew they were going, Matt Jones was at Arkansas and uh, we were going to go to obviously more of a, he was one of the first, called radar, that little zone read uh, scheme that, it, I mean, he was going to, going to be the quarterback. So I got it. And I, I wanted to play, you know, my last two years. So went to UCA uh, had a great time, uh, really learned a tremendous amount of football from, from Clint Conk. Uh, but, you know, the offense coordinator who's back now, a guy named Ken Collins, uh, just some great football minds that, I mean, we're still calling the offense and running much of the same things that, that I ran down. I felt like that's when I really learned uh, learned football and, and, and really fell in love with it. But just we had some really good teams. Uh, just weren't. I think we finished eight and three both years that uh, that I played. Really talented, and then you know they just kind of took it to the next level after I I left. Nathan Brown redshirted my senior year, and then I think he started four years, and it, it just I mean really got UCA rolling uh, like they had you know way back way back in the day. But Conway's a great place. Uh, UCA is a great school, and you know I'm thankful for for both of the members. I got to play baseball and had 
you know, struggled getting back into it my first year and then had, had two, uh, two pretty good seasons. And, uh, just, I mean, I loved it. I love my time. My parents are still, uh, they're still in Conway. They're still down there. And, and, and my brother lives in, in central Arkansas. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a great place. Uh, the school has, has exploded. I actually went back, uh, to a couple of games this past year. And, um, I mean, it's a, it's a completely different atmosphere, but it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's nice having, having two teams that I feel like, you know, I've got a little skin in the game and obviously not just fans, but, but played there. And, you know, I, I love supporting both of them. One question I want to ask you as we finish up here. So as your, your former teammate at UCA, Mike Norvell, as he's advanced through the coaching ranks, particularly as a head coach at Memphis and now as the new head coach at Florida state, on college game day and social media, there's been a picture circulating for the last couple of years of him with cornrows for his, when he was there. What is the story behind that? What, what, did he lose a bet? There's been a bunch of different rumors. What, what is at least Zach Clark's side of the story on that? Well, so I showed up like in January playing baseball and then went through spring, you know, spring football would, would do both and, and got to be close. Well, certainly, I mean, Michael, is you know one of my best friends um we're you know in each other's weddings just to i mean great guy great friend and we got to know each other in the spring and then in division two not everybody stays in the summer um and so they start kind of trickling back well michael stayed a little bit in the summer and then he left to go i think it was canicuck but it was some christian camp to be a counselor for you know two weeks a month whatever whatever it was and he comes back with those cornrows and I'm just like oh gee I mean that's that's not a great decision I'm sure now he has a you know I'm sure he may have a different story but then I find like I'm like you were at church camp and they they let you do that and send you home I don't know that it was a, a great decision but it was kind of a joke and everybody's laughing and you know it's picture day I think he took him out you know he got back a day or two before picture day and Everybody's like, you better keep it. And, and he's saying, I'm, I'm going to keep it through through pictures. As that was got to be kind of a joke. And then, you know, as soon as picture day was over, he, he took him out, not knowing he was going to be, you know, the Florida State head coach here in, what, 20 years or 15, 20 years. And that picture, uh, I mean, it's really turned – it's a phenomenal picture in, in and of itself. But he, you know – just showing up, I'm going, this guy is our best receiver that we have. I mean, you know, some guy in cornrows. It's, it's even better now. I, I, I love that picture. I'll send it to him every now and again. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I know that. I know you had a very successful career at UCA. Before we started recording, I mentioned to you that I was at the game and the, whenever they almost advanced to the semifinals the, the next year, and I, I know he had around like 130 receiving yards. I mean, he was uh, – he, he was very dominant, no doubt, but. I think somebody has passed it, but he had almost every record, um, except for touchdowns, because I joke with him the one year we played. I mean, he must have been tackled inside the five-yard line like eight times. So that uh -huh. year, uh, I, I just, I think he liked Nathan better than he liked me, and that's, you know, that's why he kept getting <laughs> off inside the five. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, Coach, really appreciate the time and you hopping on with us here. I know it's, uh, you know, as I mentioned at the very beginning, very, I guess, difficult slash at least much different times than what you're used yeah. to. And so I uh, certainly wish you the best of luck this year and uh, hopefully things will be as normal as possible. 
Yeah, no doubt. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. We've had fun. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, as always. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time for episode number 103. My name is Kyle Sutherland for Zach Clark, Porter Hayes. You've been listening to The Hog Talk. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.